Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program on this Thursday morning. Thanks to MC and Missile for setting the stage this morning. I'll be working with Michael Carrianis tomorrow, uh, filling in for Brekkie. Uh, don't forget, too, Morning Glory is back in this slot tomorrow. So the return of Maddie Johns and the crew from 9am. So some scores to settle with MC tomorrow morning, I reckon. Cloudy tops of 25 across the city today, 26 in the west. You've got us on SEN 1170am in Sydney and wherever you tuned in on the SEN app. Now, here's the number you need this morning. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 Yes, we'll talk sport. Yes, we'll have the great guests. Some of the biggest names in sport, including Ricky Ponting's going to join us. Sam Verrills from the Gold Coast Titans will be along. Ben Graham will catch up with Benny, who's in Las Vegas. So Wednesday afternoon over there. And Ben is there, of course, for the SEN call with Jared Waitley, of Super Bowl 58. Jaleesa Apps will have the latest in rugby league and Chris Nelson with our race tips for the weekend. So, of course, we're going to talk sport. Of course, we're going to call, uh, cover all of the issues in front of us and we want your opinions. But this is a historic day on this program and at this network because 2AM Tommy is having his farewell. This is it, folks. This is the last day of 2am Tommy, two phones Tommy, two cents Tommy, whatever you want to call Tommy, now's the time to do it. Now, we're a loving, caring, sharing environment here. Coach K, are we not? I would agree. Yes. However, <laughs> this is sport, folks, and it's time to time to take aim, I reckon, at 2am. But look, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number today. If you want to pick up the phone, he's in the studio. So if you want to pick up the phone and have your say... Maybe you've interacted with Tommy as one of the callers because what happens is the first call that comes through, first point of call is Tom. He's the guy that picks up the phone. He's very direct. He's all business. All business, don't you reckon? Unless you want to talk the roosters and then he just turns to mush. So we'll cover that this morning. We've also got our last listener standing quiz and some good prizes, including the Signet Boost Power Bank um, for our winners, you've got to get through five questions. Today's topic, folks, Tom, you've got a whole quiz on you, which he's just found out about. You're going to get a few of these today. So we've got to get through five questions about you. So let's start with you. We've got all these big names. We're going to park all of them, including the former Australian test captain, Ricky Ponting. Wait. I said, Ricky, wait. Jaleesa, Wait. Sam Verrills, I know you've got training. Just hold the phone for a sec because we've got to start with you. How are you feeling, mate, on your last day? Morning, Matty, Keen, all the listeners out there. Yeah, it's good. Um, bit nervous, bit sad, bit bittersweet. Mm. Uh, been great. I mean, I'll speak about it again later, but been a really fun, enjoyable three and a half years. But I'm keen and excited to finish it off with a bang today. Thank you for the sombre music, Coach K. Appreciate it. Well, it's the emotional music, isn't it? Are you an emotional kind of guy? Yeah, some could say I'm emotional. I was speaking about you before that, you know, I actually have been tearing up a little bit the last few weeks. Not right. particularly about I'm leaving us. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. But also just some of the movies. I like to watch a lot of movies and TV shows. So right. I've actually just that. So I've been getting a bit more emotional. Maybe it's got to the fact that I am departing from Essie. Really? Yeah. So if you don't know this about Tommy, he's a rugby league fan first and foremost. Uh-huh. A Roosters fan without question. Um, to the point of just absolutely giving a, giving us an aspirin ice cream headache. But the other part is you're a big movie buff. I am. I am. I am. Is that would that be outside of rugby league and sport? 
your, your greatest mm-hmm. love? Yeah, 100%. Right. So what kind of movies have you been crying in? Okay, so I watched this movie a few weeks ago called Society of the Snow on mm-hmm. Netflix. It's a new release. It was about the Uruguay, Uruguayan rugby team back in the 70s who crashed um, in the Andes, and they spent 71 days there in the Andes. Right. And spoiler alert, some of them survive. Yeah. But the scene at the end where they get reunited with their families and they've got all oh, the music. Oh, spoiler alert, scene at the end. <laughs> oh, Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's based on a true story. It's about 50, the story is 50 years old. Yeah. If you didn't know it, apologies. Uh, it's heartwarming and it pulled at the heartstrings. Right. So I teared up in that. You teared up. Teared up in that. Were you watching it solo? Yes, I was at home. So you you had a and solo it may cry. And it may uh, may or may not have been after a big night. So I was probably uh, in a fragile, okay. probably in okay. a fragile right. state. Okay. So so there's a couple of things here. You, you've you've done the the hangover. Sort yes. of, you've gone into the emotional state there, uh-huh. and then you've watched an emotional movie. Uh-huh. Trap for young players, that one, don't you think? I mean, it's almost like watching an emotional movie when you're on a plane. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that? No, I haven't. Is yeah. that a thing? I call, it alti- I call it altitude emotion. Okay. Yeah. I will dead set cry in the safety briefing sometimes, mostly because they're so damn boring. But once you get your emotional movie up there and the altitude sort of emotion kicks in, that's where it starts to really hit. So, okay. Well, look, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, mate. Um, we're going to have some fun along the way today. But look, it's a sad day for us. You've been here since the start. You and I started this show together. You've been in control of this show as the executive producer, and you're moving on for a career change, which we're absolutely stoked for you about. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to throw some punches today. So be prepared. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy is our open line number. Send in your thoughts. Make him feel loved. Let's see if we can get some tears out of him this morning, Coach K. Um, get the get the onions going, and we'll see if we can get some movie tears going. Michael Maguire has had his say about what kind of Blues team and squad that he wants. And saying all the right things here, I reckon that Blues fans want to hear as well, that form, not merit, will be the major consideration when selecting his team this year. I definitely am looking at the form right now, for sure. Yeah, obviously history is one thing, but I'm looking forward. Uh, we want to create it too. Uh, and I think yeah, when you're in really good form, and that's what I have learnt yeah, sort of uh, at the international space, good form, you take that into uh, the arena and it breathes around the group. It builds, it builds a lot of confidence and belief. So uh, players that you know, I guess you guys are talking about in really good form is something there that uh, you know, I'll be aware of, you know, that they go out and they, they perform well for their teams. And you know, I want the New South Wales players to be the best within their teams. Uh, so they're coming into this arena at their best. It's an interesting balance, isn't it, for Madge to to play this year on the form versus merit thing because is it different when you look at the New South Wales State of Origin team or any representative team about incumbency? And does incumbency matter if you've lost the series? So that's the kind of balance. Form is form. There's no doubt about it. And form will always carry its weight into any sporting arena, I would say, but especially state of origin. So the early signs there from Michael Maguire, that's the way that he wants to go. And that's a shot to the players. That's to say, if you're in the form, you're in the conversation. But it's the other shot too that says, you're not just here because you're here. So I reckon it's really clever from Michael Maguire, who speaks with the passion, of course, and it's an interesting way of looking at 2024. Is there a smoky, do you think, that you could throw into the Blues mix just purely based on form? Is there somebody who you reckon finished 2023 with red-hot form, rolls into 2024, starts the season going gangbusters, 
and makes it a compelling argument to be on Michael Maguire's radar? Let us know that this morning, 0457 736 736. And that poses the question around the captain of James Tedesco, who's spoken openly about 2023. And where does that leave him? What do you do? Is there a different conversation that you have around the incumbent when the incumbent captain isn't in the kind of form that you would like him to be in? Let me know your thoughts on that. What have you made about the NRL stars having to, or being in the paper and the photos of them going to the US consulate to try and get their visas? And today there'll be um, some more players out there. Luke Brooks on the back of the paper today, Reese Walsh there, both attending the consulate. I'll speak to Jaleesa Apps about this in about half an hour's time, but it's kind of a weird one. It, it's a walk of shame almost that the game doesn't need, but it's something that you have to do. And it, it's regardless of whether you're a footy player or a, a tradie or whatever. If I was going to the US for this one, I'm not, but I would probably end up down there and having to ask or answer questions that the consulate wants to ask me. So Luke Brooks involved in an altercation in 2017. We're now 2024. He wasn't charged at the time, but has to do that. Unfortunately, when you're Luke Brooks and it's the NRL, you have your photo taken. Reese Walsh pled guilty to drug possession over three years ago, was given a good behaviour bond, $400 fine, no conviction recorded, yet he has to plead his case. Jack White and Latrell Mitchell went through the ringer, but those charges were dropped. Um, John Sutton, Brandon Smith. I mean, it's just one of those things. And oddly enough, it's another part of this weird build-up to the Vegas trip that garners and generates interest. So I don't know if I'm Peter Volandis or Andrew Abdo. I I actually don't know how I'd feel this morning seeing my players doing essentially a bit of a walk of shame. Is it a bad look for the game or is it just generating interest for the game? And it's something that everybody has to do if you're in that scenario. Give me your thoughts on that one. Yesterday we had a chat with, uh, a chat with Frank Panisi, the general manager of the Melbourne Storm, and the one thing he didn't tell us, because he obviously couldn't, was that Harry Grant was going to be announced as the club captain for 2024. So we spoke to Frank yesterday morning. The announcement made a little bit later yesterday afternoon. Jerome Hughes, Cameron Munster named as his vice captains, and then the leadership group brought it to that, has all the names you would think in it. However, Christian Welsh is not there altogether. And he was the club captain last year. So some big, big changes at the Melbourne Storm. Do you feel bullish about the Storm in 2024? Especially with Ryan Pappenhausen returning for that first trial game Cameron Munster looks good. Harry Grant's now the leader of the pack. Possibly more than likely Craig Bellamy's last year in charge. You get the feeling that the storm quite literally is brewing again. And Tom Burgess is set to depart South Sydney at the end of uh, this season. And I guess the interesting part is here, he won't be going to pair up with his brother. He's going to Huddersfield in 2025. And all going to plan, he should leave the Bunnies as the second most capped player ever. He's amassed 225 NRL games with the club to date. And of course, he can add up to 28 to that tally this year. Ricky Ponting will catch up with him a little bit later on this morning, but he's had a say about Jake Fraser McGurk and possibly being fast-tracked into the Australian team. He reckons he's a future test star and so do many. 21 years of age, 
knows how to hit a ball, no doubt about it. But the the reality of a lot of the discussion after what Jake Fraser McGurk did in Canberra the other night was, hey, guess what? Last time we saw something like this was David Warner, and he changed the way of thinking. Now, we've seen plenty of big hitters, all that kind of stuff. But Ricky Ponning said, Jake Fraser McGurk is someone that can be well and truly fast-tracked through the Australian system. When we saw Warner at the start, everyone doubted whether he'd be good enough to play test cricket technically, but with the talent and the skill that Warner had, and in Ricky's opinion, Jake has got as much talent as David had coming through. The earlier they can get him into the system, the better. Get him playing, let him work out for himself the best way to have success in all different formats. Are you willing to put Jake Fraser McGurk on the fast train into the Australian squad, the test squad? Do you think, I had a couple of listeners saying yesterday, he just swings and misses or swings and hits and then can swing and miss. Yes, but there's something that is technically behind Jake Fraser McGurk that allows him to do that outside of that natural talent that he's got. Let me know your thoughts on that. And I'll also chat to Ricky about an interesting thing that he's raised, which was reported in the Herald this morning about possibly putting a franchise cap a cap on the amount of games or franchise leagues that players can play in to try and stop this situation of South Africa, for instance, where they're just fielding B teams whilst they're playing in their own franchise. So franchises, T20 leagues around the world are the number one destination for players. Why? Because that's where the money is. The cricket associations want them there. Why? Because that's where the money is. But then if we put a cap on how much they can play, does that flow back into having them in the test arena? And does it keep test match cricket alive? Or is it punishing players who are trying to earn as much money as they can? Ricky's an interesting one in this because he's he, when he was coming through, he was always going to have a future, as, of course, in test cricket and in white ball cricket. But what about the player who might not have a future in test cricket and who has to make his living out of white ball cricket. Does a cap serve any any purpose in that area? We'll chat to Ricky Ponting this morning. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is my open line number. Look, it's an open line policy. Today. Well, it always is, but especially today. Tommy, we've, we've taken him out of his producer's lair. They've already started to dismantle it. I think they're extending Jimmy's office. Um, and we've We've plonked him right here in the studio. So if you want to have something, if you've got something that you need to say to Tommy that you've been absolutely just burning to say over the last three years, today's the day to do it on 1300 01 1170. Approaching 24 minutes after nine on this Thursday morning. Don't forget, Matty Johns and the crew back tomorrow morning. 0457 736 736. Uh, Good morning, Matt. The visa rules by the USA to allow entry are what they are. Whether Peter Volandis is feeling anxious about it or not is irrelevant. I'm sure he was aware of it. If not, he should have done his homework on it. So if players are denied entry, it's too bad, so sad. These laws apply to all of us in Australia and elsewhere. Yeah, look, this is the discussion that we've been having. We know that these rules are there. There is absolutely no difference between a footy player wanting to go to the States or a business person wanting to go to the States or a tourist wanting to go to the States. You've all got to go through the same process. And that process is front and centre. What what I think about this, and, and of course the NRL know about it and knew about it, I, I wonder 
how much of this. And remember also that, that PVL's name was raised last week to come on in and speak to, you know, government authorities and all that kind of stuff. I, I wonder just how much of this is double, triple checking to make sure because the last thing the NRL wants is a player turned away at the other end. So they land into the US and they have a player turned away for whatever reason. Now, everybody who's walking into the US consulate to answer those questions um, in rugby league terms, if they've got a misdemeanor, it's already been reported at length at the time and therein thereafter. So it's not as though we're finding out anything new about a player here. They're just going through a process that everybody would have to go to. However, can you imagine the bad look for the game if they get turned around at the gate the other end? So let's cross all the T's and dot all the I's on this one to make sure that the last thing we have, folks, (laughs) is a stumble there. And I reckon that's kind of the way that it's panned out. Not to mention, it's a bit of theatre, isn't it? Weirdly enough, it's a little bit of theatre. And they're world champs, the NRL, at drumming up interest and everything that goes. I mean, we're talking about the kind of planes that they're flying over. We're talking about the amount of rest that they're having. We're talking about where they're sleeping and the size of their bed. It's almost like America has never existed before. They're not going to Mars they're going to a place that people go to every day of the week. So let's just pull it back a little bit. But the, the, the reality is that they're there doing that and the cameras are there following them. Is it good publicity for the game or a bad look for the game? Any other time, I reckon, you'd say it's a bad look. But this is different. This is drumming up big interest in something that's very important to the head honchos at the NRL and the game itself. Matty, why weren't, says Paul, why weren't the players doing this way before now? It's been promoted for months, should have been done. It's unbelievable. And there's a fair point about it. The timing around it, not sure. The Coffs Raider Reedy says, Morning, Matty. Smokey for origin. Dylan Edwards, first picked fullback. Be okay with that. Be all right with that. However, that sort of leads us to the merit form thing. And does the discussion around the merit side of it have a different weight attached to it because you'd be replacing here the captain? So are you okay to go with that? And what other options would you go for? Uh, One player to watch for New South Wales is Panthers centre Isaac Tango. Gun centre, very strong. Yep, that's a good shout too. So we're looking for some of the players. Remember that Michael Maguire said, yep, let's look at form which everyone does, Um, merit versus form. He's leaning towards the form side. Let's look at them this morning. Sad day for all. Tommy, good luck. And please, guest spots in the future. Now, there's something we haven't discussed, Coach K or Tommy. Are you, by the way, yeah, by the way, our listeners don't know where you're headed yet because you haven't, you've kept it closely guarded secret. But Mm -hmm. are you contractually available and willing to still be a part of this show, I'd have to get my people, oh. aka aka my brother, to look after okay. my con- uh, to look um, over my contract as he did a few weeks ago. Uh, right. given that's what he does for work. Um, but if it's rubber stamped and I get the green tick of approval, then I'll be more than happy to come on, share my thoughts on everything happening in NRL. Right, and I'll be happy to come on Grand Final week to talk about the Roosters. So. You know when they play that week. I think he's answered his own question there. Yeah, I think he's answered our question, Coach K. 
I mean, whether because the other part of that is whether we want him in there. Also today, yes, as a farewell gift to our listeners, yes, you're going to do your 2024 season predictions, yes. right? I'm going to give my premiers, my grand final, Dalian, Clive Churchill medal, Wooden Spoon, Origin winner, Wally Lewis medal. Wow. Yep. And I'll, and I'll give my full top eight, one to eight. You're going the whole hog. I'm going the whole well, I've got to, Matty. I've you, got to. You've got to. And it's your last shot. I'll let you write it down so you yeah. can keep me accountable throughout the year. How much Rooster's bias is going to go into that? Or have you actually done your homework on this? I actually have done my homework. And I'll give you a hot tip right now. I'm just one. I've got two teams coming out of the top eight from last year and two new teams joining in 2024. Okay. So usually it's somewhere between two and three. But one of the things, you, you think that the Raiders are headed for a fall, don't you? Oh, yep. Yes, I do. Okay. I'll, yeah, that, they're definitely out of my top eight for 2024. All right. Okay. Predictions to come. Uh, plenty to come, of course. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. If you'd like to um, join in the farewell for 2am, Tommy, this morning, we'll go to the news. Jaleesa Apps is going to join me on the other side. Let's dig a bit deeper into the world of rugby league. Jaleesa Apps is on the line. Morning, J8. Good morning, Matty. Now, listen, before we talk any rugby league, as you're well aware, it is 2am Tommy's final day here. He's bailing out on us. He's leaving. He's he's heading off to greener pastures. Is there, is there any final word that you would like to deliver for our esteemed producer on his way out? Um, no, I'm filthy at him. I don't want to talk to him. I couldn't couldn't believe he even had the yes. audacity to text me today. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what it's going to be all morning. As much as we love him, we're just going to do the you know from the top turnbuckle. We're coming at him today. Yeah, like farewell, see you never. Sorry, no. He's a good no. He's a good egg. I can't. I can't even pretend. He's a good egg, and we wish him the best. Kind of. <laughs> nice, nice disclaimer. Well said. Hey, th- this visa issue, which has been bubbling along, and, and now we're seeing photos in the paper, and of course, you guys are all over this today. Jack White and Latrell Mitchell, John Sutton. I, I don't know how to feel ab- about this, Jaleesa. I understand that it's a process. But weirdly enough, it's like this walk of shame that the game could have could have done without. Yeah, it's totally a walk of shame because if you got to I did my visa last week. Just to clarify, I had to line up because it was a work visa, not because I've done anything, <laughs> you know, in Burrowa. And much like Vegas, what happens in Burrowa stays in Burrowa. So. <laughs> That, that's good. But, um, yeah, it's a bit, it, you know, they have to go through the same process as everybody else in terms of if you've got needing an interview for whatever reason, whether that's work reasons or whether that is that you have a blemish on your record, there's no special treatment. They've got a line out up out the front like everyone else and they're kind of, unfortunately, by the nature of the process, paraded. Um, but I don't expect that there will be, given the NRL has, sought a lot of advice on this. I don't expect that there'll be anybody that will have their visa blocked, but it is just, America is one of the hardest places to get into if you do have anything on your record. We kind of think of it the same as Australia, but it's really not. It's it's quite strict when it comes to that kind of thing. Even things like drink driving, like, uh, you know, anything like that. So, um, yeah, we'll, we will likely see those boys from South there today, but I don't think that there will be anyone I can't anticipate anyone being rejected. Yeah, it's it's one of those weird ones about this whole US trip that, that seems to me like, you know, from the outside looking in, you kind of go, do we really need to see photos of players lining up to explain their past actions because rugby league doesn't need any, any more black eyes? And 
And then on the flip side, it, it weirdly enough adds even more interest to the US trip. It's just one of those weird things. New South Wales Blues. So Michael Maguire yesterday um, had some pretty forthright comments and, it, and it's all around merit versus form. Your take on Madge's, Madge's comments? Yeah, well, he seemed pretty consistent about this, um, what he said from the start. He said that any uh, New South Welshman, when he comes in, they're, they're on notice that they could get themselves an, an origin jersey. And um, it's pretty consistent with uh, Madge's coaching that we've seen in the past, that he does uh, favour form and, you know, won't guarantee even James Tedesco a spot. I think that it makes sense in a rep origin arena you want to and especially with a new coach coming in and a whole new coaching staff as well you want to start fresh one thing that I one thing in the interview that I thought was really interesting was when he was asked about Jack Whiten he didn't say uh, emphatically no Jack's you know retired or anything he just said Jack uh, something along the lines of sorry I'm paraphrasing a little bit here but he said Jack is a big game player and he likes those big moments. And when it comes to the time, I'll talk to Jack. So that kind of indicated to me, like maybe Jack will return to, at least if he's in form, will consider a return to the origin arena. The big moments kind of words there really pricked my ears. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We'll wait and see on that one. Newcastle Knights, a lot around them out of this week and Adam O'Brien with an extension looking for him uh, there up until the end of 2026. You were up there earlier this week and you had a chat with their UK recruit, Kai Pierce-Paul, coming from Wigan with some big raps. Yes. So first of all, on Adam O'Brien, my understanding is at the moment it's, um, you know, the deal is progressing well and it's kind of in that stages of getting the um, dot your I's and cross your T's. Um, so I expect that to be announced not too far away. Kai Pierce-Paul is the first thing you notice about him. He is absolutely huge. Like he is one of the biggest players. And I think I looked up afterwards, he was a, he's 196 centimetres. Uh, really humble, really uh, lovely guy. He's come from Wigan having won a premiership and it was interesting he was chased by the Dolphins he was chased by the Bulldogs and what actually happened was they were over there the Knights were over there to watch Will Price and he was actually playing against him and they went oh we need to have a chat to this guy as well and he said meeting someone in person was the difference Um, and he really liked Newcastle and he really liked the uh, Kalen Ponga he'd watched a lot of Kalen Ponga, as we all have and as we all do. He came to Newcastle with a toe injury, so he's only just actually returned to full training. Um, I think, it, like, he sort of had a bit of turf toe and it was managed at his old club, but the NRL being so professional, the club being so professional, the Knights just wanted to fix that straight away. So they actually put him into surgery straight away, and now he's finally back training with the side. So I think it's it, Newcastle's really exciting this year. I'm, I'm tipping that... Definitely a top four finish. I'll I'll put that on Jimmy's wall of prediction, seeing as though he didn't like my last one. <laughs> I'm happy with, with that too. I, I'm a bit bullish about the Newcastle Knights this year off the back of the momentum that they had last year. They're starting to lock everything in. 
and I'm interested in this guy. Hundred so he's 196 centimeters. That's six foot four. He's 22 years of age, and he's over 100 kgs as well. So let's see how he goes. Before I let you go, just just one thought about cricket in particular, and I'll catch up with Ricky Ponting a little bit later on in the show. But he's made comments to say, look, Jake Fraser McGurk is one out of the box, the last or prob- probably the first of his kind when you think across the multi-formats out of the box was David Warner and Ricky would be happy to see Jake Fraser McGurk start to be open doors, so to speak, to go into the Australian test team as one out of the box. Did that grab your, grab your attention? Yeah, of course. And I think, you know, when Ricky Ponting says something like that, you take notice of what Ricky Ponting says, don't you? Like it's not, he's obviously not just the accolades as a player, but now also, building all of what he's doing with the coaching. I guess the only thing that holds you up is um, the place. You've got to have a place to uh, put him there. And the test team's in a weird position at the moment where we've kind of got guys with their spots, but then we've got a lot that you could see drop out. You know, people like Marnus aren't in good form. We haven't quite, uh, you know, settled that that middle order or the, the opening position so yeah maybe there is a spot for Jake Fraser McGurk I would certainly take on any advice that Ricky Ponting said if I was anyone involved in Cricket Australia well we'll get that soon in about half an hour's time I'll be speaking to Ricky and my challenge this morning because as you know Ricky's got Ponting Wines pontingwines.com.au my challenge this morning is that every point that I raise with Ricky I'm going to have to tie in around his wine as well so Jake Fraser McGurk I'll need to come up with something there um, that's got something to do with wine. I don't know why. I just set myself the challenge, and Ricky's always up for a challenge. He'll hit it straight over my head. Good on you, Jaleesa. Have a great day. You too. And just on that, that yes. feels very much like when I'm interviewing a rugby league player, and I can tell they've got some sort of bet of putting training the house down in as many <laughs> times as they can. I know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you look at them and you say, I'm on to you. I'm up with I'm you. I'm on to you. I'm on yeah. you. Yeah, I've got you. All right, buddy. Good to catch up. See ya. Welcome back. Pedro says, I bet JA pulled the old, don't you know who I am in the queue? No, 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 no. Last person who'd do that is uh, Jaleesa. Matty, you won't hear anything even if a player is somehow knocked back in their attempt to get into the States. It'll just be a certain player has picked up an injury, says the conspiracy theorist in me. That's from the Western Sydney Eagle. Well, I was, I was sort of going through that going, yes, we will. And then I realised that it's the old conspiracy theory trick that you're going to pull out. Uh, This from Crime Scene says, Tommy, I always found you interesting to listen to, even if I didn't always agree with you. And you've had to put up with numerous texts from me that on reflection were not as humorous as I thought at the time. Thank you for being there. So maybe this is kiss and make up day. If you've had a crack at Tom, now's the day or today is the day to kiss and make up. Um, but thank you, Crime Scene. He's here, he's listening, and he's reading the texts as they're coming in. Uh, Stuart says, Matty, the NRL should get the band players to walk in across the southern border with Mexico. It's a free-for-all. We're going, we're going down American politics down there. We don't need to do that. Why aren't the visas sorted two months ago, Matt, says the Logan Warrior. Good question. Don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, what have they been back since the 1st of November? Most, almost everybody, aside from those that, that have the extensions. So everyone's been there. Those four clubs that are taking part know what's going on. Um, 
initially I was like, well, this is a bit of smoke and mirrors, but now they're being paraded through the the US consulate. Maddie, I have a feeling that Teddy will announce his rep retirement soon to concentrate on the Roosters winning the comp this year. Only been listening for a short time, but uh, Tommy, all Roosters fans stick together and all the best. That's from Todd from Orange. Thank you for that. What are the chances a few tip-offs to the American authorities coming from AFL HQ? <laughs> Says Alan from Newcastle. So you reckon those south of the border down there, Docklands are picking up the phone to their mates in the US consulate or ambassadors or whoever they've got saying, hey, listen, you might want to check out Player X. Just dig a little bit deeper because we'll get some headlines out of it. 0457 736 736 is the text line. There is a very big story brewing in Brisbane this morning and our Queensland listeners will join us in our next hour. So we'll elaborate on this because it's a hot topic of discussion and it's all got to do with the 2032 Olympic Games that are going to be in Brisbane, but the stadiums that they need to fix uh, fix around there and, and who's going to host what. And the latest chapter in this is that the... Gabba revival and rebuild, which was going to cost $2.7 billion, has been declared dead in the water by none other than John Coates. Now, John Coates is the vice president of the International Olympic Committee, incredibly well respected, and he has said it just doesn't stack up and it's going to be dead in the water. So the plan was to spend almost $3 billion on rebuilding the Gabba. Okay? They've got Suncorp Stadium there, they've got other stadiums around uh, Brisbane, but the plan was that the opening and closing ceremony would take place at the Gabba. They'd pump $2.7 billion into it and they'd make it schmick. But now John Coates has said they need to axe that in favour of an opening and closing ceremony at Suncorp Stadium and then hold the athletics, which you can't hold at a rectangular stadium at Suncorp, hence the reason why the Gabba was in the picture, hold it at what's called Nathan's Queensland Sport and Athletic Centre. Nathan's not a person, a suburb. The old QE2 Stadium. The International Olympic Committee Vice President said the Olympic movement was on the nose in Brisbane because of failures by the state government and the Brisbane 2032 Organising Committee in promoting venue upgrades. Sounds like a you-know-what. It's a dog's breakfast, this one. And when John Coates has his say, it's normally the final say in a lot of discussions. So it appears as though the rebuild of the Gabba's dead in the water. So let's take that off the table. Then what do they do about hosting an opening and closing ceremony at Suncorp Stadium? Ripping place to watch footy. Great stadium. Is it big enough and capable enough to host an opening and closing ceremony of an Olympic Games? No, they're going to have to do some work there. Part of the problem about having the Gabba as the host, essentially, stadium, and therefore for the athletics field and track as well, is where do they warm up? So they would have to then start doing some work outside, which is affecting residential neighbourhoods. What's the the main question here? How on earth did did it get to this stage? How on earth did it get to this point where they're doing... 60-day reviews of venue infrastructures after being announced as the 2032 venue for the Commonwealth Games, uh, for the Olympic Games. And the Commonwealth Games is a good template 
for how things can go pear-shaped very quickly when people realise that a lot of money's got to be spent on these things. Now, it's a long, long way away, and the Olympic Games are in a much more robust position than the Commonwealth Games are and were ever and were ever going to be in. So two very different scenarios, but we're getting two very similar storylines coming out of here. And let's hope that this isn't the unravelling of the 2032 Games going to Brisbane because they're all starting to point the finger at each other. Well, don't do it there. Spend the money over there. Don't have the opening ceremony there. Why don't you have it there? But then you're going to have to increase the capacity of Suncorp Stadium and spend the money there anyway. And now we need to move out of town to go and host the athletics. Out of town. Remember what happened with Commonwealth Games, Victoria? The out of town stuff, the model that they had was broken before they even started it. So we'll continue that discussion and we'll get a lot of feedback from our Queensland listeners when they join us in our next hour because it's a big, big topic. It's front page news on the Courier Mail. Gabba Games over, says the Coates. Not Brisbane Games finished, but any hope of holding the opening and closing ceremony at the Gabba done and dusted. We're back after this. A very good morning and welcome to our listeners joining us on SENQ 693. We'll continue to cover this story around the Gabba, uh, what it means, the rebuild backflip, what it only not only means for the Olympic Games in 2032, but also for cricket as well. What you think about this whole scenario. Are the games on the nose in your backyard? Let us know this morning on 1300 01 1170. There's a lot to unpack in this one and a lot to wonder about what is the next step here, but it's very dramatic. We're talking big money. We're talking further down the road, eight years away, but a lot of people are starting already to say, let's hope the Olympic Games don't go the way of the Commonwealth Games in uh, Victoria there. I think we're a long, long way off that yet. However, the warning signs are there. The cost of living is first and foremost to a lot of people and spending billions of dollars on rebuilds or finding stadia to host um, certain venues or certain parts of an Olympic Games is very, very tricky. So we'll do that. Sam Verrills from the Gold Coast Titans will join us as well. We'll cross to Vegas and speak with Benny Graham ahead of the uh, Super Bowl number 58 over there and Chris Nelson with our race tips as well on 2am Tommy's last day here on the morning program. So a lot to pack in over the next couple of hours, including this man, Ricky Ponting, is on the line as we talk wines and cricket. I'm going to make it, morning, Rick, I'm going to make it my challenge this morning to try and fold in a wine question around every cricket question that I pose to you. Are you up for that? Up for that. Let's see how you go. Okay, okay. I, I know that you would step up to the plate and love this challenge. By the way, pontingwines.com.au. First and foremost, when we last spoke last week, you were considering the Washington Freedom, Freedom job, and now it's been made official. So on that, I do have a wine question, but first up, the reasons behind taking over that job and what you're expecting from it. Oh, look, I've spoken to a lot of people that were involved in that tournament last year. Obviously, last year was the first year that the MLC um, has operated and, and everyone that I've spoken to said just how, how good it was, how good the standard was. Um, I was obviously played in limited venues last year. I think it looks like with the T20 World Cup now being between the Caribbean and uh, and America that, that, that we'll be playing some games in New York as well, basically straight after that, the T20 World Cup has finished uh, in, the, in the States. Um, 
Yeah, and and a chance to work with a team that's um, that's basically run by Cricket New South Wales. So it's a, it's a team that's owned, obviously owned um, by, by uh, an Indian um, and an Indian um, businessman, and uh, but run by Cricket New South Wales. So I'll be working with a lot of familiar people. Um, Cameron White's one of the assistant coaches there, who I played a lot of cricket with, and was someone that I I said I'd always like to coach with if that opportunity came around. So um, lots of real lots of positives, and I think um, like I said yesterday in the at the press conference, I think it's just the, the tip of the iceberg, really, with where I think the game will go in the US. So to get involved uh, nice and early uh, in a team that actually made the playoffs last year, um, hopefully we can go a step further this year. Here's the wine question. Are you planning to then distribute Ponting wines through your new arrangement <laughs> with Washington Freedom into the US market? I, I think I'll have to make sure there's plenty on offer over there for the boys at the end, end, end of each game. So whether that's me taking a hold of it over myself or find, trying to find some sort of distribution area in the in the state is a is our next step. But um, no, there's some other things happening within within our business. Actually, you know, we've got a really good relationship with Royal Caribbean, the cruise liners, and uh, as part of that sort of uh, relationship, looks like we might be able to open up some some avenues into um, the US and Canada. So. Plenty of really good stuff happening around the wine at the moment. We've actually got a, a wine dinner in Hobart tonight. I'm at the airport now on the way to, to Hobart. We're catching up with some of the growers down in, in Tasmania over the next couple of days um, and some of our customers down there. And we've, we've got a, a dinner for about 200 people over at Blunston Arena tonight to, to showcase the wines and sit down and enjoy a nice meal and, and, and talk about and drink some wine. Yeah, lovely. Hey, for our listeners too, you can use the code SEN20, as in the number 20, which offers 20% off purchases direct from the winery, pontingwines.com.au. You know what would have been good, Ricky, is after that ODI and the early finish down there at Monica in Canberra, we were tossing up what else you could do to give the uh, give the punters, so to speak, some some bang for their buck. A little wine festival, little sort of you know, couple of marquees you could have set up there at the end of that one because it was over in such a hurry, mate. We could have fit an entire T Twenty game after that. That's the way sport rolls sometimes, but it's it's a bummer that it happened against this opposition at this time when ODIs are such a hot topic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no no one wants to see that. I mean, the Australian team are obviously going out there to do whatever they can to to you know put opposition teams away as quickly as possible. I mean, that's that's their job, you know, to, to go out and, and make teams feel like they, they they just can't beat them. And that's what they've done, you know, um, in, in this one-day series. The T20s might be different. It might be a different story. Um, let's hope it is. I mean, the West Indies probably got a better T20 outfit than they have one-day teams. So uh, I know that starts. I think that starts tomorrow, doesn't it? Tomorrow night down yep. in Hobart, I think, it's the first T20 game. So let's hope the West Indies can put up a, a better show there. But... I remember years ago, actually, in, we, we finished a test match early in Adelaide. It might have been on the uh, on the last day of a test match, I reckon. And I think John Buchanan had this great idea then of, well, let's let's see if the opposition want to play a 50 over game uh, to, to round out to round out the day and round out day five of the test match. And um, I think uh, I don't think there were too many guys in the room that were putting their hand up to say, yeah, let's go out and go and play another game. Yeah, I, some of my listeners said that to me yesterday. You reckon the Windies want to go back out there and? And have another crack after getting their pants pulled down. No way. And you reckon? <laughs> and, you, and you're right. You know the Aussies, as you well know, your job is to win that game, no matter which game it is, as convincingly as possible. So you got your feet up, cracking one open, and ready to ready to rumble. Now, Jake Fraser McGurk, he's a really interesting character. He's here, right? He's absolutely here, and we we have seen this before in David Warner. And you've said that maybe it's time to have a look at Jake Fraser McGurk and fast track him into the Australian system because the more time he's got around that system, the better. And clearly he's got the talent and the skill. 
just give us your, your reasonings behind taking a look at somebody like a 21-year-old who can hit him, no doubt, but there are a lot of people that can hit the ball. Why does this guy look special to you? Oh, look, I think he's been talked about for a number of years, Matt, to be honest. Um, you know, he burst onto the scene here in Victoria. Um, didn't get much more opportunity after that. Has sort of moved states this year, moved to, to South Australia, where he's done some pretty amazing things in shield cricket and uh, in, in one-day cricket. I mean, he got that 100 off, was it 28 balls, wasn't it? Or something 29, in Tasmania yeah. early in the... 29 balls, yeah, yeah. earlier in, in the season. I just saw a headline there. He's opening the batting today, it looks like, as well, um, for South Australia in, the, in their one-day uh, encounter. So, um Look, I just think that sort of talent doesn't come around all that often. You know, you can see guys go out and play. You can see guys make runs. But sometimes it's how they do it that, that really stands out. And some of the some of his big bash innings this year um, were, were remarkable. I mean, I did a game at at, uh, at Marble Stadium against Brisbane Heat, Renegades Brisbane. I think he hit seven or eight sixes in that little cameo that night. Um, that doesn't happen every day. You know, there's... Um, and David Warner burst onto the scene in a, a very similar manner. You know, some one-day cricket for, for New South Wales, some T20 cricket for New South Wales, picked in the Australian T20 team. Um, and I was at the other end in his first game against South Africa at the MCG, and he made Dale Stane and Mornay Mork and these guys look like they were they were club bowlers. Um, and that's where he that's where he, his international sort of career started. There were some doubts whether he could you know turn himself into a really good Test player, but have a look what he did with that early exposure and getting into the system nice and early. So I, I can see a very similar path. Um, for Jake, um, and you know, you could. Pro- I, I sort of said that yesterday. Let, let's fast track him. But if you look at what they've done, they've probably fast tracked him anyway. Yeah. To get him, you know, he was sort of plucked out of nowhere to get into this Australian team. So it's not like I'm saying any telling the Australian selectors anything that they don't know. I think they know they've got a, a highly talented youngster here that could easily play all three formats of the game for Australia. But I just think the sooner that you can get these guys into all three formats, and I'm talking about Test cricket as well. I'm. You know, I think you know, in a, in 12 months' time, he could find himself in the Test team. So, that that's the sort of talent I think that he's got, and we'll wait and see how it plays out in, in the near future. Okay, so the wine question on Jake Fraser McGurk, as one of our listeners, as it from DY has pointed out, it's actually a quote from Ben Riggs, who's summed up your first session Sauvignon Blanc, fresh, bright, and aromatic. A perfect starter is a good way to describe Jake Fraser McGurk. So, if you had to put Jake Fraser McGurk into the description of one of your wines, which wine would you go to? <laughs> um, well, I think he's he's like a, a newly bottled um, Barossa Shiraz, I reckon. He, he's just, he just needs to be sat on the shelf for a while. Like, give him some exposure, uh, but just let him let him grow in, in the bottle. <laughs> let him develop in the bottle and um, let him, let, let's see what he turns into down the track. So it'll be, it'll be something like that, like a red wine that's just waiting to mature into the best version of itself. Yeah, and then let him go. Let him loose. Let him pop and enjoy yeah, it. Pay, yeah, yeah. Pull, pull the cork out and let him go. Exactly. <laughs> Good on you, Ricky. Hey, enjoy tonight, mate. Thank you for that. We'll continue to update our listeners on the latest range of pontingwines.com.au and, of course, 20% off for our SEN listeners using the code SEN20. Thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, Matt. Cheers, buddy. The one and only Ricky Ponting joining us there. 0457 736 736 is my text line. The Gabon decision is no surprise. So let's get this Gabba discussion going on SENQ 693. This one from uh, the Parramatta Powerball says, the Gabba decision is no surprise. Sporting infrastructure planning by governments is a disaster. We were fortunate in Sydney 2000 as the governments of the day got on with it. Plus, we had our Greenfield site at Flemington Sale yard, knockdown rebuilds are always contentious. I recall at Parramatta Stadium, they just spent $3 million to renovate 
knocked it down within 12 months to build combat, not to mention Alliance or Penrith. Yes, look, I, I want the opinion of our listeners in Queensland and in Brisbane especially because it's in your backyard. So how do you view this? What do you think is the priority here? Are you surprised that you can lock in a Games, an Olympic Games no less, but not have this sorted out and then start to have to have reviews and then you see front pages like we've got this morning on the Courier-Mail that the Gabba Games are dead. And I'll read you, I know Crash Craddock has spoken to the guys this morning, but I'll read you a little bit about what Crash has said on what that means for cricket in particular as well. And a good overview, as always, by Crash on the scenario around Olympic Games. So the fact of the matter is that gone are the days of being able to throw big, big numbers at whether it's a rebuild of a stadium or a knockdown completely or, you know, whatever it needs, renovation. You just can't do that anymore without having the kind of scrutiny that modern day society expects you to have on it because it's costing us a fortune to wake up in the morning. So it's really hard to do this. And where does it lead? We don't know. But we're now talking about reviews. We're talking about looking at Suncorp Stadium to host an opening and closing ceremony, which might be fantastic, but they're going to have to do some rejigging there. There's so many questions to be answered about this, and it appears as though the balloon that was so beautifully pumped up around us getting the 2032 Olympic Games in Brisbane, which is absolutely fantastic and will be awesome, some of that air is going out of it. And we don't want that to happen. We certainly don't want to go down the road of Victoria and the Commonwealth Games in 2026. That was an absolute catastrophe, the way that it played out. Maybe we dodged a bullet in all of that. Is Queensland trying to dodge a bullet here? Have they got it right in your opinion? Let us know. 0457 736 736 or give us a call this morning on 1300 01 1170. Welcome back. Now, a couple of things. Sam Verrill's joining me in just a minute, uh, so stay tuned for that one. one 1170 It's our last listener standing quiz today. Everyone's a winner Thursday. I've got the Ream-branded Cool Cabana, a Signet Boost power bank. It's a special quiz today. Five questions, all based around 2AM Tommy. So you're going to have to have your 2AM Tommy knowledge and you get to the end of those five questions and you will win one of those prizes, if not both of them. I don't think the Olympic Games are in any danger, says the Reptile. The comms game, uh, Com Games cancellation is completely different. That was done by a horrible government in Melbourne and I believe Queensland are doing just doing the right thing. Thank you for that. We'll take a bit of a deeper look into that one. But one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is my open line number, so keep that handy right here because the quiz is coming up in about 10 minutes' time. Season countdown continues. So many changes right across the NRL, including, of course, at the Gold Coast Titans. Desi Hasler is in charge. I'm pleased to say that Sam Verrills is on the line as we gear up for 2024. Sam, good morning. Hey, Matty, how are you? Good, mate. You're off to training today. Uh, give us a, yep. give us an insight into how different training has been under Dez. Yeah, it's been pretty uh, full on, I'm not going to lie. Um, training, it's been definitely different to, you know, any of the pre-seasons I've had with Desi. Um, 
He's, uh, the way he goes about footy is different to all my other coaches and uh, there's been a lot of contact training and uh, a lot of sprays as well, which is good. And, um, yeah, we're really looking forward to the year. I'm just wondering if you had anything to do with Dez in your, in your junior footy days, um, growing up on the northern uh, beaches. Did you, did you ever yeah. come across Dez there? I, I missed out. So I signed with the Roosters 20s and that year, Des came back, so I missed out. I missed him by well, like a year or so. So we crossed paths, but I've always, um, you know, obviously been a Manly junior, supported Manly as a club growing up. You know, I always looked up at Des and wanted to be coached by him, and to be finally coached up here, coached by him up at the Titans is, is something pretty cool. So, what about when you speak to your mates who have worked under Des? Was it what you expected when when he turned up at the Gold Coast? Yeah, everyone everyone says, you know, you look at all the teams that he's coached and they've always been physical teams and, uh, you know, the early days at Manly and, you know, obviously what he did at the Dogs, taking them to a few grand finals and what he did to Manly a few years ago, taking them to a prelim. They've always been physical teams and I think that's what he's really trying to instill in us is, you know, trying to be a physical side and, you know, a team, you know, when they versus the Titans that they're going to be, you know, they're in for a big game, so... Um, he's driving that really hard and, you know, the players are buying in on it, which is awesome. And, uh, you know, round one's about a month away against the Dragons and we can't wait to, you know, show it to everyone. All coaches, Sam, as you know, have their quirks, don't they? And, and obviously when, when somebody like Des rocks into town, everyone wants to talk about his quirks. So what, yeah. when, when you see Des in full flight, when he's either having a spray or you're in a meeting or whatever it is, is there something that makes you go, I mean, is it the hair? What what is it that makes you go this bloke's yeah, there's, quirky? There's a lot of there's a lot of lot of um hair touches for him in the meetings as well. He always loves playing <laughs> with his hair but um he's actually got uh, a few jokes, does he? And um I didn't quite know like know that before coming here and you know, the first day he had a lot of jokes in him and, you know, made it easy for the boys but one minute he could be very serious and spraying the boys and the next minute he could be just having a laugh and he can flip the switch like that real quick, and you know it's pretty good to, uh, you know, see as a as a you know footy player, and um, he can get into the plays, which is very good, which which is what what we need, you know, and um, you know, so the year's going to be looking pretty good for us, and you know if we can stay on the park and have a good year, you know, we're we're hoping to play finals, that's for sure. Let's talk about you. Last year, shoulder injury. Um, you'd be looking to yeah. get more and more games under your belt. Injuries are a part and parcel of what you do as a professional footballer. Um, how are you going heading into this season? Yeah, I'm fit and uh, and I've had a really really good preseason and uh, you know I've been in all, all of it and uh, you know last year was behind me, but it was just frustrating the the shoulder injury. You know, it's um, you know it was just the, I had an infection in there last year, which really caused. Um, drama there and uh the infection's all clear it's all gone and uh you know i'm back training full on and uh really looking for a big year this year which i need so what are your personal goals i mean you've got the team goals obviously your personal goals for this season is there a number of games that you're aiming to play i don't think you've got to 20 in in this stage of your career yet you've had 59 yeah. nrl games is, is there numbers that you put on a sheet of paper and say these are my markers i think it's been a consistent you know, footy play obviously that brings that brings you know obviously you want to be playing twenty plus games, but you know if you're playing twenty plus games, you, you know you're playing good consistent footy, and you know when you're injured, you're in and out of the game, and it's hard to get back into you know rhythm and being consistent. So 
I really want to, you know, strive to obviously play 20 or every game of the year, to be honest. But to play every game, you've got to be consistent as well. So, um, you know, it's been a frustrating couple of years with injury, but uh, the body feels really good. And, you know, the way we're going about things up here is, you know, exciting for me as a player. And, you know, to be playing under this forward pack, it's, uh, it's going to be pretty, pretty good. Yeah, and one of the other changes, I mean, we've spoken about Des, Sam, but also Tino as captain off the oh. back of his big contract. What kind of skipper is he in pre-season? Yeah, the way he goes about training, um, he just goes 100% every time. And, uh, I'm, you know, when you're playing against him at training, you know, you're in for a big one. So, you know, I think he definitely leads by his actions and, um, you know, all the boys around him want to play for him and, um, you know, he's one of those guys where you're in the locker room and, you know, you see him there, you're like, oh, I'm going to be sweet. So he's obviously a big, big part in our team and um, the way he's going about things this year has been very exciting and rewarding for us and uh, we can't wait to see him play this year. How do the fellas reference his 10-year contract? Has there been any back chat around a, a decade-long contract uh-huh. that he signed? Yeah, there's a little bit of chatter going around about it, but... Um, <laughs> You know, we're, all, we're all, pretty much all of us locked in till 2026, so we've all got a little little while here at the club, and um, I think he's like mid-2030 or something. I don't know what he's on, something crazy. But, um, yeah, there is a little bit of chat around him. So, you know, 10-year contract is massive, but we're all happy for him as well at the end of the day. And, um, you know, setting up his life and his family is really rewarding for him. And, um, you know, it's good for the Gold Coast as well. You know, having him here is, um, you know, it's massive for the club. And you see Keenan Palacio there from, from the Broncos, of course, a standout in last year's grand final. He's one of the big signings as well. So there's a lot to look around, I guess, at, at preseason and see points of difference and things that you'd be looking forward to this season. What's the feel around the group about the changes? Yeah, obviously, obviously Desi's brought in his, his crew and um, obviously Keenan coming over from the Bronx. And, you know, Keenan's a... You know, there's a lot of signings around the around this year, and I reckon Keenan's pretty underrated. You know, he's he was one of their better players in that grand final, and um, he's just fitting really well. He's he's mates with all the boys, and um, he's going to be exciting. But yeah, obviously the way what Desi brings to the club and how we're going to play under him, uh, I'm really looking forward to that this year. First game is the uh, Dragons for you guys, and you've got the Saturday night game, so a home game, which is a great way to start. When you see the Dragons on the other side, I mean, you know, a lot of people, Sam, are saying, oh, Dragons will finish down the bottom and all that kind of stuff. But the fact of the matter is it's one of those matchups. You've got a brand-new coach. They've got a brand-new coach. And it's the big unknown. How do you prepare? And at what stage do you start preparing for that first match opposition-wise? I think, um, yeah, after trials, obviously, we'll start preparing for them. But, you know, round one is always... You never know what happens round one. Everyone's always had a good preseason, as everyone says, and um, you know everyone's that keen to get off the hard training and start playing some footy as well. So round one's always interesting, but you know we've they've had a pretty turbulent preseason with a few things going back there. But you know they're going to be ready for round one, and um, you know we we versed them last year round two, but it was their first game. They came off the round one bye, and they sort of smacked us right in the face. So. We need to do that to them this year. And, um, you know, we're really looking forward to it. But, yeah, we'll start preparing for them just after the trials. Good man, mate. Appreciate your time this morning. Have a ripper season. It's always great to uh, get your thoughts. And and uh, best of luck for 2024. Thanks, buddy. Good man.
Thanks, Vanessa, and our thanks to Sam Verrills as well. Don't forget, last listener standing quiz. So everyone's a winner on a Thursday, and it's a special quiz today. 2 a.m. Tommy's last day. Here is uh, producer of the morning show. He's heading off to greener pastures, and he's going to give us his uh, full rugby league predictions for 2024 as a parting gift to us here on the morning show. He'll do that a little bit later. But the last listener standing quiz, there are five questions that especially for those that have been with us from the start or just, you know, here every time he muscles his way into the studio and takes over the microphone, should be able to get. I've put together five questions about 2am, Tommy, that you will pretty much rocket through. If you do so, a Ream-branded cool cabana, install a Ream, you'll always be in hot water at home, or a Signet Boost power bank valued at forty four ninety five which will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered 24-7, is yours. All you got to do, pick up the phone. one 1170 Guess who's going to answer it? Tommy, right? He's going to be the guy that'll put you into the queue. So do your best to try and get as much information out of him as you can. We'll do that in just a sec, but now is the time for you to call one 1170 now, on to the Gabba issue we go again on your texts here. Ollie says, if done correctly, the rebuild of the Gabba and the surrounds of the city of Brisbane should be of benefit to society, better transport, links, new roads. And this conversation seems to come up with every Olympics. When it was in China, when it was in Atlanta, I think Brisbane as a city and its infrastructure would benefit from the Olympic Games. Yes, Absolutely. But we're not going to see if it's going to be done correctly, Ollie, because the rebuild at the Gabba is dead in the water, is absolutely dead in the water. And now we move to the next phase of this discussion as to, A, where does that leave the Gabba? B, where does it leave the infrastructure and everything that would have gone around that area there? And more importantly for the Olympic Games itself, where do they go next? Where do they pump the money into now? The old QE2 Stadium, of course, in Nathan, so 20 minutes, call it, out of Brizzy. Um, you're starting to spread the footprint a little bit further, starting to look at an opening and closing ceremony at Suncorp Stadium, which is, as we know, is a, a great stadium, unreal to watch footy. Can it, can it be the kind of different home for a ceremony? I'm up for that. Crash Craddock this morning makes some very good points in his column this morning, which says the Gabba rebuild would be a backflip, or the backflip rather would be a major blow for cricket. But then he points out that the cost of the games had spiralled out of control and Brisbane does not have the financial resources of a Paris or London. Brisbane's great challenge is to not become Atlanta, which struggled badly when it hosted the games back in 1996. If your mega cities, Paris, London or Tokyo, the games don't define your city, as Crash points out here, because you have so much else going on, but it will define Brisbane in the way it defined Barcelona or Montreal. Do it well and your name will always sparkle. Do it badly and the stench will linger for generations. The pressure is on. As always, Crash Craddock has absolutely nailed it. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. Greg from Brisbane is on the line. Good morning, Greg. Your thoughts around this? How you going, Matt? Um, mate, you just touched on the of the Gabba and the redevelopment, structural infrastructure. 
people don't realise is the infrastructure's already being built. It's been improved and under construction for years. It's called Cross River Rail. Mm. So the government's already got that money allocated and spent. Yeah. The, the, the demolition is... And the only reason we're having the discussion right now is because there's an election at the end of the year. The government's just throwing it out there because they don't want to be just seen as being the big bad because they're going to spend all the money in. Uh, money managers at the election in October later in the year. Yeah. It's just a side screen. They're moving out to Nathan. There's no infrastructure there. There's no uh, areas that can be activated like restaurants, um, active public areas. It's it's a joke. Why would they talk about spending money out there when they just spend billions of dollars, which will include a new train station right at the Gabba's door? makes no sense at all. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head early too in that in that conversation there, Greg. This is what happens when politics collides with sport and politics and the Olympic Games go hand in hand. And so does a lot of money needs to be spent. So there's, there's a very, very big component here that is in question, I would say, more than ever before because people want to know more than ever before, where all the money's going? And why is it so hard for us to get up and fill up our cars and get to work and feed our families and afford all the things that we should be able to afford when we're spending billions on this and then redirecting billions to that? It's a fair argument. It's much bigger than the Olympic Games. It's much bigger than politics. This is a socioeconomic issue and it's coming home to roost. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate that call. Right, we're going to go to the break. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is my open line number. That gives you time to hit up Tommy. Yeah, be part of the quiz because we've got five questions on 2AM, Tommy, coming up after this break. Welcome back. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is our open line number. Time for our quiz on this Thursday morning. It's time for Matt's Last Listener Standing Quiz. <laughs> it is. And it's, it's a Tommy-themed quiz this morning. I mean, why not just give him a farewell present of five questions about himself? By the way, I haven't checked these with Tommy. So this is stuff that I've made up on his behalf. Right, let's start with you, John. You were first in the queue, so welcome to you, mate. Thanks for calling. You're ready to play the 2am Tommy quiz. Let's do it, Matt. Okay, first question. Who gave Tommy the nickname 2am? It came from this radio station. Let's say Fletch. No, it wasn't, Fletch. It wasn't. It was when we started early on, and the story behind it is that we had our first Christmas party, uh, and I think Tommy was essentially the one that dragged his sorry ass back in a little bit later. And next morning on SEN 1170, next morning, one of our announcers gave him the, gave him the uh, nickname 2AM Tommy. One of our announcers is very, very good at calling rugby league. Anthony, there's a tip for you. Who gave Tommy the nickname 2AM? Oh. Greg Alexander. Oh, not Brandy, but the other bloke that he sits with. So, Kiama Kiwi, that's straight to you. There's a free pass for you. 2AM Tommy, who gave him the nickname? Vossy. Uh, yes, Vossy did. Vossy did, that's right. Uh, and it's stuck ever since. There's been two phones, Tommy. Tommy's two cents worth. He gets all sorts of nicknames. Uh, but 2AM Tommy has stuck. Righto, question two. What is the name, Kiama Kiwi, of Tommy's multiple race-winning superstar horse? It is show some what? 
Decorum. Yes, decorum. You're two out of two, Kayama Kiwi. Our others are holding on. Okay, question three. Now, Tommy's not only a rugby league buff, right? But he's also, and if you're listening this morning, he got a little bit emotional over the last couple of weeks because this is his other passion outside of sport and rugby league in particular. He's also a lover of what? Hmm. He got a bit emotional. Not to do with sport. No, not to do with sport. He was watching something. He's 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 a bit of a a buff at this. Have a crack. I remember hearing, but I can't give you what have, it a throw, was. have a throw at the stumps, Kaima Kiwi. Um, documentaries. Ooh, close. Close. Can't give it to you, which means I go back to John. So he's not a he very close, sort of in the realm, obviously. Not only a rugby league buff, but he's also a lover of... John, have a crack. Say horse racing. Oh, no, 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 no. We're very close with documentaries. Uh, back to you, Anthony. We're back to, back to you on this one. So he likes to sit down, get away from rugby league. He has some popcorn. He has a little tear in his eye. He's a lover of... Reality TV. Oh, mate. Okay, Kiwi. Kiwi, you're back on, mate. So you get, a, you get a second throw at the stubs. You were very close with documentaries, if not there. But a lover of what? Um, Popcorn was your clue. Movies. Yes, thank God. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> caramba. All right. Who is Tommy's all-time favourite player? Obviously at the Roosters, current oh. player. Who does he love? If he had one jumper, one jumper, he would put it on. Oh. Teddy? Yes, Teddy. Absolutely. You know what I had to do this morning? I had to squirm that one out of him by posing a bit of a, a, a fake segment that we were going to do. Coach K and I had to conspire to say, oh, yeah, what if we talked about all-time favourite players? Because I thought that was the answer. Um, but James Tedesco, righto. Final question here, Kayama Kiwi. If you get this right, we'll send you a prize. If Tommy wasn't a Roosters supporter, who would he follow? <laughs> Be nasty. If he wasn't. Be nasty. If he wasn't, he wouldn't follow anyone. That's right. Um... Yeah, yeah. That, that's fair enough. So that wins. I mean, I was going to take... In particular, had you said Souths, just to watch him squirm, I was going to take that. Had you said Manly, just because of our, you know, my love of Manly, I would have, we would have taken that. But you, I think you're right. It wouldn't be anyone. Thanks to John. Thanks to Anthony. Good on you, Kiama Kiwi. Hold on. We'll send you back to the man himself or we'll get in touch and we'll send you out a prize. There you go. The 2AM Tommy nickname. That came from Vossi, didn't it? Mm-hmm. He was the yeah. one. It came, and it wasn't from a Christmas party. So it was, oh, it? it was in November. So it was about two weeks after we had started, Matty. And remember, um, Hutchie got us all down in the city and we kind of had a That's welcome right. we had to a SCN bit of a... dinner yeah. dinner sort of vibe. And we kicked on to, we went to the establishment after. Yep. And I got home at midnight. I got home at midnight. Wow. And I got, come in the next day, just a bit after six, and I was a bit wary, a bit tired. You were wary or weary? Weary, sorry. <laughs> I, always, I always stuff that up. I always stuff that up. I, I would have been wary if I was yeah, you because was, everyone was watching. I was weary. <laughs> and this was when Vossi was just solo. So he didn't have That's Brandy right. next to him. Yeah. And he comes down and he looks at me. He goes, oh, you don't look too great, Tommy. I go, yeah. And he goes, what time do you get in? I go, oh, midnight. He goes, 2 a.m. 
you get in at 2 a.m. 2 a.m. Tommy. And then he just said it and everyone and said that. it. Joel gave me the two, two phones. phones. Yep. Um, and then went last year when we were trying to figure out um, the what segment. to call my segment, it was Julian King who That's came right. up with the Tommy's Two Cents. Tommy's Two Cents. So, and, it, and it landed, the coins landed on the table ever since. Yep. which we'll put on the table a little bit later. So show some decorum. Yes. Show Kiyama some decorum. Kiwi got that. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously resonate, resonated out there with the punters. Um, you're not only a rugby league buff, but you're a big lover of movies. Big lover of movies. Big, big lover of movies. We'd if you go, were going to do a lot. If you were going to do a doctorate. Yeah, it'd be in that. You'd do that. Yeah. You'd, be a, you'd do your PhD on movies. Uh, I go on unhe- unhealthy amount of times for right. movies each year. Okay. Uh, Teddy's your favourite player. Uh-huh, I, yep. had to, I had to sort of, you know, get that one out of here this morning. Who was your favourite player though growing up? Uh, like, So it was a tie for three. It was two Roosters players. It was Jake Friend and Mitchell Pearce. Yeah. And then the guy, and I'm a bit, not biased, but this is my goat, uh, Jonathan Thurston. He was one of my favourite. I think he just makes everyone around him better. Mm. He was really like clean skin on the field. He just had a great personality, that iconic laugh. Um, I just had a soft spot for JT, and he was just such a joy to watch. Even though he terrorized the Blues for many, many years, I just absolutely love watching Jonathan Thurston Do you growing remember up. We did, we did a, was it Braith? Who did we did an interview? Mm-hmm. Who was it? We did an interview with a Roosters player, a former Roosters player, Minicello. It was a mini, yes. And we got, and I said, "Why don't you come in yes, and ask some did. questions?" Yes, you got all shaky. I did get all. Well, he was one of my. Favorite players growing up, but it was Minnie. It was, right. it, yeah, I love I love Minnie. I see him because I well, my mum lives in Paddington now. I see Minnie walking around sometimes. Right. He's just Do the, you go, hey mate, I yeah, yeah he's I just interviewed you once. No pun here, but he's the coolest cat. Uh, he's just so cool, Anthony Minnie But yeah, Mitch Pierce, Jake Friend growing up, and then yeah. out of the Roosters, Jonathan Thurston. Just okay. so good. The final question in your quiz was if you weren't a Rooster supporter, who would you follow? So no you know one. that that was maybe no. the Dolphins just because they oh, just on. came into the NRL, so no. they're easy to and so at no stage did you have a second team? No, I got no. Well, I grew up in the in the area, in the eastern suburbs area. My dad was a Chook supporter, my older brother was a Chook supporter, so it's kind of just thrust it upon you. Mm. And yeah. All right. The other thing that is little known about you is that Tommy is not really what you called. No. Well, no. my full name is Thomas. That's right. Yes. And, and I remember I said to you once early doors that, well, you call you Tommy. Do I call you Tom? Is Thomas? And I think you said to me, well, my dad named me Thomas. Yeah, my dad was. No, because I remember in school, the teachers would ask, uh, is it Tom or Thomas? And I would say Tom. And then I would go tell my dad and goes, and he would say, well, no, I named you Thomas, so I'm naming you Thomas, and you should tell people to call you Thomas. And I was like, oh, I don't really care. Uh, like, it's not, it's not right. anything to me. By the way, is your dad still going to text in? Probably. John from Willara, <laughs> text in. <laughs> nice work. Okay, we're back after this. Welcome back. Our final hour of the program today. Morning Glory coming your way tomorrow with Matty Johns, Denning Kemp, and the one and only Andrew Webster as well, which means it's the final hour of 2 a.m. Tommy, that, that sadness that's starting to creep in. Coach K is... Now starting to hit home. He shed a few tears this morning. I think because he kicked his toe. That was about it. He's very direct. You know, he's, he's very matter-of-fact today. I think it's he's going to fall in a heap, I reckon, at the end of the show. Uh, Tommy, long-time listener, has texted in saying, we'd just like to say to Thomas, all the very best in whatever your future brings. Thank you for all of the knowledge that you've shared. Stay safe, stay strong. Most of all, Tommy, power on. Thank you. For that one, uh, Tommy, great job at SEN. Good luck, says the Rooster Man. And that is echoed by a lot of our listeners. Absolutely. 
Matt in Brisbane says not redoing the Gabba is such a missed opportunity. Anyone who's been to any of the new stadiums, South Australia and WA, would be able to see how out of date the Gabba is. Then you have Cross River Rail and all the money spent on that, which if we're not going to be holding Olympic events at the Gabba, could have been spent on transport infrastructure around the QE2 side as transport around this side is a nightmare. Thank you for that insight, Matt. Um, let me know your thoughts around this one. I'm from Brisbane and I live an hour north on the sunny coast, says our listener here. I believe the Olympic Games are deeply unpopular. What was promised as a Games with little investment required to run has suddenly jumped from a $1.2 billion Gabba redevelopment to a $2.7 billion rebuild, plus the cost for displacing current leaseholders. There's also the matter of a pool that's meant to be lobbed on top of Roma Street Station that we haven't even been told the cost of. The city needs infrastructure investment in terms of roads, highways, rail and hospitals, all of which will increase productivity. This Games is only promising a legacy of debt. Thank you for that one as well. Uh, Moa Mix says, I can't help but think the Brisbane Olympics could head in the same direction as the Victoria Commonwealth Games. Well, I'll point out here, obviously that's not, that, that's not the, the outcome that anybody wants. And you all know my thoughts on the Commonwealth Games as an event, as a great part of our culture, our sporting culture, and a part of our sporting history as well. And I think it's super important to upcoming, emerging, if not current, athletes. So you all know my thoughts about the Olympic Games as well. I've got a deep passion and love for the Olympic Games. Absolutely. If there's one thing that I could have been, is an Olympic athlete. I've been lucky enough to host plenty and be at plenty and call Olympic events and be around those Olympic athletes and work with them. So I've got incredible passion to make sure that the Olympic Games, in Brisbane especially, not only go ahead but thrive and leave something behind because gone are the days where you can roll out astronomical numbers and then say at the end of it, well, 1.2 is now 2.7. We left this and we did that. It doesn't cut it anymore. So at some stage, you've got to cut the cord and you've got to get things right. And right now when people are so heavily behind the eight ball with the cost of living, everything that's going on in the world at the moment, it's so hard to justify. So get it right. So the question is, is this the right thing to do? Is bailing out on a Gabba redevelopment the right thing to do? Let's have the, let's have the discussion further down the track about the Olympics itself. But if it's starting to get on the nose with the people of Brisbane, and I'm not convinced that it is, but if it's starting to, then there's an issue here. And you've got to get on top of these things because they will spiral out of control. Let me know your thoughts. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 or the text line 0457 736 736. Well, Super Bowl 58's getting closer and closer. Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers. SEN's call Monday morning with Jared Waitley and my guest right now, beaming in live from Las Vegas. Benny Graham is on the line. G'day, BG. Uh, Matty. How are you, mate? Yes, Vegas. Been here 24 hours and settled in just nicely. Got a couple of boxes to tick on the way to Super Bowl Sunday, Monday, your time. But looking forward to bringing you all the action. Should be a great game. Vegas, first time they're hosting a Super Bowl, so the city, well, we know they were ready for the Grand Prix late last year, but it's certainly building towards what should be a magnificent day. 
Yeah. Have they got Jared Waitley's face on the on the big dome there yet? Have you walked out and seen, geez, you know, SEN presence just overlooking the the, the glitter strip? <laughs> well, no, I reckon it'd be Hutchie's face on yeah, the true. sphere for when he flies in later on today. <laughs> but no, they actually had to remove a man from the top of the sphere. He scaled the sphere, and I was a bit worried because I'm going to see you two there tonight, and I didn't want that to be oh. any kind of disruption, but... No, Jared, he's front and centre on Radio Row. He's been there before. The world media descend, and he grabs all the, cele- you know, the, the, the celebrities, and well, not so much the celebrities, more the radio, you know, because he's a radio guy. Just, you know, Jared, he, uh, it's, it's going to take him a bit of time to acclimatise to the Vegas lifestyle, but no, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's front and centre Radio Row, heading out there shortly to. Uh, to do a little bit more in bringing the Super Bowl to not only SEN, but to Australia. I mean, we all know he's one of the absolute best in the business and you've called plenty alongside him. Just just give my listeners a bit of an insight into how it plays out on game day, Phil, where you guys are, how the call goes, how Jared prepares, what you look for in the call. Um, you've been there and done it at this level, mate. So give us a little bit of a, a, a view into how it's going to play out from your perspective. Well, yes, I've got the privilege to have called the last couple with Jared, and we know he's an esteemed professional at what he does, no matter what sport it is. So we know his research. But what he loves, I mean, I love the game, so I could call it him asleep. But Jared, he, it's more like cricket in that there's crescendos in the game. So you're talking about what's just happened, what's about to happen, what should happen, and then the play unfolds and then you dissect what's just happened, and then they prepare for the next play. And so it is very up and down, not so much like rugby or or AFL, where it's a constant for 30 minutes and then you have a break. It's very much that ball by ball, like play by play. So he, he sets the scene, and he's very good at that to bring the listeners the situation of the game. My role really is to talk to it in... Australian terms, so help the listeners understand what's actually happening within the play, the players that are involved in it, and give some insight into where the game's at, what the teams need to do to either get back into the game or extend their lead or the battles within the game. So the offensive versus defensive line. And we've got some superstars in this game. So we'll be focusing on Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey on the Chiefs side and Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, on the 49ers side. So it's, it is a, it, it goes so quick though, but we are on air an hour and a half before. So we've got the ability to, to set the scene. Jared was out at the stadium on Monday night. He says it's unbelievable. There's 24,000 paid spectators to go to opening night. And he says that the electricity in the stadium without a game, it's going to be on another level when it's full and Sunday, Monday, Melbourne time, Sydney time rolls around. Mm. So it's Wednesday afternoon, your time. And as you say, mate, you're going to go see you too. Like Vegas is Vegas, Ben, isn't it? So there's so much going on. When you're out and about, you've only been on the ground for a day or so, but when you're out and about, does it feel like a Super Bowl city or does it feel like the Super Bowl has rocked into Vegas? No, no, it definitely feels like a Super Bowl city. And I say that because LA was so spread out and Phoenix was too with the stadium about 
half an hour out of town. Everything in Vegas is happening right here on the Strip. I mean, Allegiant Stadium, the Sphere, all the casinos, obviously, um, all the parties. Uh, we've got a live golf tournament, um, which is just behind the wing. Uh, it's, it, it is really a fantastic destination for a Super Bowl. Mandalay Bay is where they're hosting the NFL fan experience and Radio Row. I mean, Mandalay Bay is the size of an airport. It takes you about an hour just to walk from one end to the other. Uh, but it is. And the signage and the people on the street, you can see the 49ers fans and the Chiefs fans that are out already. There was a ice hockey game last night between the Oilers and the Knights and there's fans everywhere. But what I found interesting was that when you listen to people on the street talking amongst each other, there's a lot of international accents, a lot of non-English speaking tourists that still come to Vegas, regardless if it's the Super Bowl or not. So it's, mm. it's uh, look, it is a, <laughs> if you've been here before, you can see it a couple of different ways. I mean, I'm here for business, Matty. <laughs> I'm here for the game, but I'll certainly soak up everything else in Vegas has got to offer. All right, final one. As you well know, the focus on the quarterbacks is extraordinary. So if you're Patrick Mahomes tonight and the next couple of nights, chances are you put your head on the pillow pretty well. I reckon you're going to sleep pretty well. If you're Brock Purdy, however, you might be a little bit edgy. So let's just focus, in your opinion, on what Brock Purdy... Because if Patrick Mahomes does what Patrick can do and Travis Kelsey can... And they all fall into place, then we kind of... I, I guess not know the outcome, but we know what Patrick Mahomes can deliver. So my question here is, mate, what do you reckon Brock Purdy's got to do here for the 49ers? What kind of game has he got to play to get the 49ers across the line? This is a fascinating conversation because it has been about Brock Purdy being a game manager. And that's all that is expected of him by his teammates and by his team. But he has shown in the playoffs that he can win games off his own arm. We saw that against the Packers in the fourth quarter, and we saw it in the second half against the Lions last week. I think he's better than a game manager. I think there's some unfair criticism levelled his way. But he knows there's only two quarterbacks in the 49ers' history that have won a Super Bowl. And you think of their esteemed history and their, how successful they've been. So he, I think he knows that the pressure is on the 49ers because they've got the best quarterback on the other sideline. So I think he's comfortable where he's at. I mean, he's a very low-key kind of guy. They make fun of what he wears to games. And, you know, he still um, lives at home, I think. or he, Like, he's not at home, but he rents. It's like a it's a complete contrast to a Patrick Mahomes who signed a billion-dollar contract a couple of years ago. He will feel that the pressure's on Patrick Mahomes. But I think the pressure is on the 49ers because, yes, they've been the best team all year, albeit a three-game losing streak mid-season. They haven't been that good in the playoffs. They haven't blown things away. Their offense hasn't scored at will. Their defense hasn't really been able to stop anybody. So I think it will come down to Brock Purdy and it will come down to Patrick Mahomes in the fourth quarter and which quarterback can stand up. So the build-up, well and truly on, mate. Um, it's great to get those insights. Enjoy you two tonight. I'm looking forward to um, catching up with you in between now, hopefully, and the call Monday morning our time. But, um, yeah, have a ripper time. Thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, Matty. Enjoy the game on Monday.
Of course, don't forget Morning Glory with Matty Johns and the crew back tomorrow morning. So that means we're back to regular Thursday tips with Chris Nelson as we look ahead to the weekend of racing. Morning, Chris Ape. Good morning, Matty. Gee, the, uh, the footy season comes around quick, doesn't it? One minute it's <laughs> over, next minute you know it's, uh, it's less than a month away. A hundred percent, yeah. It comes at us thick and fast, which is how we want our winners this week. Yeah. So uh, we're looking at Ramwick on Saturday and Doombin as well. There's a big race at Ramwick, the Millennium, which is a $2 million race. Uh, but we're going to start at race number two, the Lonro Plate, over 1,000 metres. Yeah, and I like here number eight, and that is Celerity. Now, we did mention Celerity last Saturday, or last Friday, actually, when we last spoke. Uh, Celerity was all set to go around first up there at Rose Hill. But unfortunately, this was the this was the race or the start or the horse that uh, J-Mac scored his injury on. And we know he's not riding this Saturday because of that injury. So Celerity ended up being a scratching at the barriers. She's uh, a filly by Exceed and Excel, trained by Godolphin, or owned by Godolphin, trained by James Cummings. Cost 850000 Now, her trial that week leading into that race was very, very good. She just swept down the outside into a placing. And she didn't look to be put under any pressure whatsoever. So we'll hold her over for a week. Uh, she probably wouldn't have won that race last week. There was a smart one in it being uh, Lady of Camelot. But I think she might be able to get away with this one. I think she'll race really well. I think she's the one to beat. That's race two, number eight, Celerity. Race two, number eight, go to race six, the Eskimo Prince Stakes. Just a, a small field. We'll take out number eight, Scully. So we'll only have the eight runners. We will, and hopefully we stay at the eight runners because I'm going to tip Tom Kitten here. Now, I know uh, he was uh, he's a bit of a heartbreaker in that prep uh, late last year in the uh, in the spring, and then he finally broke through winning the spring champion so easily. But, gee, I think he's good odds here. I know he's got bigger fish to fry uh, in the spring down the track a little, but his first start record's quite good. Uh, this is 1,200 metres. It's well short of his best, but I tell you what, he's the class horse in this field, and his recent trial... Uh, gave me every impression that he's ready to go. He just, uh, over 800 metres, there was a lot left in the tank. He certainly wasn't pushed out. The small field will suit. He's got class on his side, as I mentioned. I think he could do worse and have something each way here on Tom Kitten. I'd be surprised if he missed a placing. And I think he's got a great chance of winning. So we'll go with him fresh and hope for no bad luck. Race six, number two, Tom Kitten. Out of barrier two. We're on the same page. That's exactly the way that I was leaning for Beautiful. that one. Um, the Millennium is race seven. No tip in this, but fully lit for Gay, Wasson, uh, Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott, I should say, will start favourite likely there. As we go to race eight then. We go to race eight. Uh, just on fully lit. Best horse in the race, clearly. The only reason you're getting a price is because of that wide barrier. So... Mm. It's whether you uh, decide to go with the wide barrier or look for some other runner. Now, race number eight, uh, another one from Godolphin here. So three Godolphin tips. So James Cummings, hopefully, in for a big day. Barber. Now, he's one that's been a little bit hard to catch here, and that's uh, number seven, Barber, resuming from a break. Liked his recent trial as well. Hey, well, he's got some good form, and he's got a good alley here for Zach Lloyd. 53 and a half kilos. I think he can run a race. I know uh, he's been a little bit hard to catch, as I mentioned, but, gee, he looks well-placed for mine. He can settle nice and close without being overly bustled. And in the straight, the long run home at Randwick, you know he's going to finish off quite well. So I think he'll run well. We can back him also each way. Race eight, number seven, Barber. Okay, what have we got at Doombin in the second here? There'll be a short price favourite, Fukubana. Better the day here, Fukubana. I can't see uh, all things being equal how they beat Fukubana. One run back from a break, ran third at Doombin behind Ticker Reddy, who's won four straight. 
Uh, one again yesterday at Eagle Farm. Uh, just got too far back there, but really hit the line strongly. Overall form is good. Won a, uh, a maiden here at Eagle Farm on debut. Then went straight to Rose Hill in a Saturday three-year-old, two-year-old race and ran really well there. Just that gate beat, uh, beat him first up. He gets uh, a little bit further distance tomorrow, or Saturday, sorry, 90 metres. Jimmy Orman rides from the good alley. I can't see how they beat him. He's just got lengths on those. So he's the good thing of the day. Race two, number two, Fugabana. Okay, 10 races on this card at Doombin. So race seven? Race seven, number 12. Now, a few at odds here. Jay Anthony. Jay Anthony's had two runs this time in. Hasn't set the world on fire. They have been in much stronger races. Now, back to something easier. She showed a lot last preparation. She likes racing at Doombin. She likes the 1,200. She's down in the weights here, and she's got a good gait for a smother, and that's what she likes, just to be ridden cold and then get a crack at them late. And I think she can do that here. So I think she can improve sharply. You'll probably get double figures. Have something each way, race seven, number 12, Jay Anthony. Okay, race eight's an interesting one. There'll be about four to five horses here in the single figures in this race. It's a 1,600-metre race. Yeah, and I like here number 14, and that's Last Chance Saloon. Uh, lightly race, David Van Dyke on the sunny coast. Michael Rod rides, just as he did last start, uh, when he won at Eagle Farm. Now, the start before at the Sunny Coast, he was the best of good things beaten he'd ever seen. So he uh, repaid those punters last time out at $3.50, got up along the inside and was very strong to the line. So the step up to 1600 not an issue here. And if you look at his form last breath, he ran second uh, on consecutive occasions via a horse called Cotty, who goes really well from Toowoomba. So the form around last chance saloon is good as is the barrier, as is the extra distance. I think you'll run really well. Race eight, number 14, last chance saloon. Okay, so race nine, our, our last tip here, 1,350 metres. So if you're looking for the for the favourites out of this, you've got to go wide of the barriers. Kinlock out of 13, yeah. Boom Talk out of 12, but then you've got Hatchet in against the fence in one, and that, those three will lead the betting. Yeah, and that's where I think Hatchet's got the big advantage here, number nine, Matty. Now, he generally gets back in his races, but not as far back as these other two, Oscar Zulu and Kinlock and Boom Talk and those horses, especially the two you mentioned there, Kinlock and Boom Talk, they get back as a rule. So from those wide gates, they're going to be back near last. On the map, the speed map, there is no leader in this race. So I wouldn't expect him to be going very hard unless something breaks the pack early. So Hatchet from gate one, without being really bustled early, can still find a decent spot and have a pretty decent break on these other two. We'll be trying to storm down the outside. Hatchet loves Doombin. He's down in the weights. He'll run really well here. Race nine, number nine, Hatchet. Good on you, mate. Now, um, before I let you go, 2am Tommy, our esteemed producer, his final day today, wraps it all yes. up. Um, show some decorum is is, of course, his horse. So I know that you guys often be in contact. So possibly the next time you talk to him, I mean, he's stepping away from us and going off to greener pastures, so to speak. But next time you talk to him, might be might, might be at the Everest. I mean, you never know if he's still going <laughs> to if he's still going to talk to us. Do you reckon he'll take our calls when show some decorum goes goes to the you know the the absolute peak of the mountain, so to speak, in horse racing? Well, you know him better than I do, Matty, but I would say he's probably going to be too busy to just deal with people like us. It'll be, uh, it'll be the owners and the other owners and the breeders and uh, all those people up in, uh, in the higher echelon. So, look, he might send us back a text message. That might be about it. <laughs> he won't send us any winnings. We know that much, mate. No. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Chris. Take care, mate. We'll do it again next week. Thanks, Matty. And to Tommy, thanks for all your help, and I wish you all the best.
Thanks, Vanessa. Let's get back to these text messages. Plenty around the Gabba issue and, and a broader issue and discussion around the Olympics, which I think is further down the track, but there is a, a pressing situation here and you have your thoughts on it. Uh, Sharky T lives in Brisbane, says the whole running of the Olympic Games is way too expensive. Cancel the event. Money's needed for projects like roads and housing. Yes, now look, there's two ways of thinking about it. Cut the event, take the money elsewhere. But the event brings the money. And with the money brings the infrastructure. So it's that fine line. The accountability, I would say, Sharky, the accountability is very different to what it used to be. Matty, politics and sport are like oil and water, just don't mix, but unfortunately are a necessary evil. First, the Com Games, now the Olympics, next will be this PNG team. Every decision's not made for the sport itself, but generally for self-indulgence to say, look what I did. The two leaders who won the rights to the events are gone, so watch out, Albo. Thank you for that. Again, my opinion on this at the moment in a broader sense on the Olympic Games is the Olympic Games themselves in 2032 aren't in question, in my opinion, yet, <laughs> and and hopefully won't be. But there's a big question about the who, what, why, where, and how much. Real big questions. There was a talk a while back, says our listener here, Gary, about holding the Olympics in Greece where countries chip in with money Maybe they should look into it more, keep the cost down. If not Greece, maybe somewhere else. As in, oh, as in holding them only in Greece. Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> For a while there, I was thinking, hang on a second, when did Greece get flushed with funds? <laughs> Most of them are still shoving it under their bed <laughs> over there. Uh, good morning, Matt. Would you explain how the GABA is considered as uh, antiquated and outdated? Uh, the old Frank Burke stand at Lang Park with hardwood bench seats could be defined as old world before the Castlemaine Street upgrade. What do people expect from a stadium? Proximity to the playing surface is outstanding as opposed to the upper bleachers of the MCG. Uh, like watching from the Tweed border, says Troy and Georgie. And by the way, Troy and Georgie say, Tommy, intelligent and articulate contribution to SEN. You will be missed. Thanks for that. Matt says, let's get real here. The Olympics are dead too. There are no benefits to hosting individual sport. World championships are the future. Okay. Uh, could you please let me know the first track Chris spoke, spoke of with these tips? Got the Doomben tips. Uh, the first track, well, it was at the Sydney races, mate. So that's what we're looking at with Chris there. So it was Ramwick races two, six, and eight. Um, that one from Corey. Hope that helps, Corey. Thank you very much for that. The Sydney Olympics were not held in the city. And there was essentially no restaurants or bars around Homebush. And those Olympics went pretty well, says one of our listeners. A, a broader discussion to have down the track. But if we're moving away, people of Brizzy and Greater Brisbane and Queensland, if we're moving away from redeveloping the Gabba, how do you see that working there? Do you see the Olympics being a success if the Gabba isn't involved, if they go down to Nathan, if they um, do all the redevelopment down there? Is there enough room? Is the money going in the right way? You tell me. I'm not sure. one 1170 is the open line number or 0457 736 736. Matty, I didn't know that the Roosters were starting up their own radio station. Good luck to Tommy. Roosters Radio. That's not a bad... Maybe that's where he's going. Uh, good luck to Tommy. Both of you make a good team. Pleasure uh, listening to you driving the bus and my predictions for the answers uh, coming. So that was a little bit earlier with our with our quiz. But, yeah, 
Good luck to Tommy. Why is Jack Whiten going to the US? Isn't he suspended? Good point. Very good point, says Nick. Um, I guess they want to take him. Might be playing, but I guess they want to take him. On Tommy, might be a nice fellow, but all Souths fans have a parting gesture. Um, oh, he wants to say goodbye, basically, Tommy. That's what he's going to do. Now, here's what we're going to do in the last half hour of the program. We can open up. If you'd like to say anything to Tommy, face-to-face, so to speak, down the line, do so. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. But he's got to, his parting gift for us will be his fearless 2024 Rugby League predictions. The lot. Who wins? Wooden Spoon. Dally M. The lot. We'll give him some time. We'll give him some space, and we'll do that soon. All right. We're getting at the back end of the program here, folks. Uh, the streamers are coming out. The sad music has been resonating around the SEN. Sad? Network. <laughs> well, that didn't take long. That's hey. And where, where is the sad Woo! music? Tommy is going. going Tommy, Tommy is going. Tommy is going. <laughs> and never coming back. Oh, All right, no. well, that wraps up that segment. Jimmy, what's coming up in your show? Goodness. Not Tom Costigan. We know that. Do you tell you what? You're going to have to have probably an extra interview a day yeah. just to fill the space. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, that the Costigan... Yeah. Era is so, over. So to all the athletes, you know, all the footy players, <laughs> the coaches, the administrators who should have had those 10-minute spots yes. over the last three and a bit years yes. that we put aside for you and then yes. somehow the producer managed to weasel his way <laughs> into the rundown and then the studio itself, yes. we apologise. Yes. We're open for business. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. Just when, you know, people in the cars listening saying, oh, Matty should ask this. You know you should ask it. But Got then, no time. Yeah, hey. That's get right. out. Yeah. Get out. Costigan here. Yeah. Move aside. Yeah. The I'm commissioner. Just, yeah. yeah. Can and, I just leave now? And then he... <laughs> oh, he's still here. Finally. <laughs> and then he comes in and he goes, he goes, oh, well, you know, it is your show, Matty. It's called... <laughs> It's, it is called Mornings with Matt White. <laughs> and then he comes into your show. Oh, well, yeah. By the way, it is your show, Jimmy. It's called Afternoons with Jimmy Smith. Yes. Yeah. yes. You know the only one who squared him up? Fletch. Did he? Yeah. He did. Yeah. The only one. What, what do you mean, squared him up? Squared him up. When Remember we did the great producer swap Oh, yes, yes, last yes. Last year? Yes. And Tommy ended up on the run home? Yes. And, and Fletch said to him? What did I can't he, remember. What did he say? Well, he said, you know, you get away with that stuff on oh, Matty's yeah. show. Yeah, you Not know. here, son. <laughs> Not here, son. Hey? So Very when we good. hire the new producer, Fletchy oh, boy, you're going to be in the room with me. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Hey, who else would you take into an interview than Brian Fletcher, right? Not you. Not me? No, you're not intimidating. Oh, no, fair enough. Fair enough, Tom. No, uh, has he announced where he's going yet? Because there's some intimidating no, folk over there, uh, isn't yeah, it? No. Well, we should do, we should do, <laughs> do that. Do not come home from the pub late. That's all I'm saying. Do not come home from the we pub late. We should do that. We should. What is this? What is it cost? What does it cost these days to get Sky News? It's a $5 streaming something. Is it? Yeah. Is it? I won't be getting it. <laughs> That's going to shock no one, by the way. <laughs> so is that it? That's that's where you're is going. It breaking that's, the news. That's where I'm going. Breaking wow. news here. Okay. So what? Just out of interest, do you know what program you're working? I on? I do. I'm not going to disclose that right oh, now. Oh right. Jimmy, okay. No, fair enough. Probably not up to me. No. Uh, fair yeah, enough. I do know what programs going to be working on. Not up yeah. to you. Well, you told them, didn't you? I yeah. That's what you've done here for the last three and a half years. Exactly. <laughs> but I'll be going. Got the day off tomorrow because Morning Glory's back on. So this uh-huh. is the final day, and uh-huh. in there on Monday. Right. Start mm. there on Monday the twelfth. 
exciting stuff. I'm going to say this seriously, and that's it. Then we're going back to taking the piss okay, out good, of him, good. Matty. All right. So, uh, Tommy, you know I love you. You're a very, very talented producer, and the sky is the limit, mate. So oh, nice. go get him. And, and I wholeheartedly exactly. agree. Wholeheartedly yeah. agree. Now, he ha- he does have a parting gift for us. Do you want to stick around for this? Actually, this is this will work well because, as our listeners may or may not know, yes. Jimmy has plastered the Studio 2 glass wall here with predictions well, yes, that listeners have been sending in. One listener sent in Charles Goodser to replace Jimmy on afternoons. <laughs> so, Can't imagine who sent that in. So I can print this off for you and you can stick it right there and maybe you can get me on yeah. later on the show. Or not. Or, or not, yeah, or or not Tom. So I've got my top eight. I've got my wooden spoon, my premiers, my grand final, Clive Churchill, Daly M, Origin, everything. Before that, we should ask the most pressing question about Tommy, yes. given, given where he's going. Yes. Who are you going to anoint as the next Prime Minister of Australia? <laughs> No Before man. that, we should ask Tommy the other pressing question: How long until you until you kneecap Albo? No comment. <laughs> no no oh, comment. He's, good he's saving them for Monday. He's good. <laughs> yes. Okay, let's get into your predictions. Okay, I'll go through my top eight first. This is I'll your time f- to shine. I'll go from one down to eight. South Sydney Rabbitohs one. Whoa. South Sydney Rabbitohs one. Sydney Roosters two. Mm. Penrith Panthers three. Mm. Brisbane Broncos four. Melbourne Storm fifth. New Zealand Warriors six, Newcastle Knights seventh, and the Gold Coast Titans in eighth position. Ooh. So, I've got so the no Sharks, Manly Seagulls. No Manly Seagulls. No Parramatta Eels. No Parramatta Eels. No Cronulla Sharks. No North Queensland Cowboys. No North Queensland Cowboys. Ooh. Raiders have fallen off his Raiders love have fallen list. Off and the Raiders How will far win. have the Raiders fallen, Tom? Yeah, well, I'm going to give you a little insight a little bit further, <laughs> but I just think I, I'll go into why the Bunnies. I got Latrell for my Dally M. I said this yesterday. I think. The addition of Jack Wyden in that squad is huge for Luttrell, both on and off the field. Just makes him that much happier. I know they've had blues in the past, but that's been squashed. Yeah. And I just think he is, and given what he said, you know, the other night to Emma Lawrence at Channel 9, I just think he's in for a massive, massive year. And I think he wants to, you know, silence a lot of the critics. And when the bunnies are rolling, he gets a lot of those points. I know him and Cody will split some, but... If they're winning and winning big, Latrell gets those Dalian points. So he's my pick for Dalian, uh-huh. and I've got them winning the minor premiership. And Gold Coast Titans, we had Sam Verrills on. Mm. I think Des Hasler will give them that kind of resilience um, that they've needed, especially in their defense the last few years. I think they've got a really talented forward pack led by Tino. David Fafita, both for more, comes back in the second row. Des, the one thing I love about Des, he's, he's gone in and said, righto, we're stopping this. Jaden Campbell, you're one. AJ Brimson, you're four. We're not dilly-dallying. You know, between the two, Jaden, you're my one. And I just think that's really, really important. And I've got them as a massive riser for 2024. Mm. All right. What's mm. else? What else? Wooden Spoon. <coughs> Wee, and yes. they're the biggest sliders, the Canberra Raiders. <gasps> so if you look at their predicted side, they've still got a relatively, really strong and solid forward pack. Yes. But I think Josh Papali is aging, and I think he's aging quickly. They've got a guy again, Morgan Smithies, coming in from Super League, still untried and untested at um, NRL level. K.O. Weeks is most likely going to be their six, and a young gun named Chevy Stewart is going to be their fullback. So two out of the two out of the four spine players, still to me, you know, not un, not tested at the NRL level yet. Zach Wolford, good solid player. I think if they are going to you know be competitive again, it's going to have to be through their forward pack with Joseph Tarpany, Hudson Young. But I think Papa Lee is on the wrong side of thirty, and I think Elliot Whitehead is slowly declining too. So they are my pick for the wooden spoon. I, w- I said this to Matty. I wouldn't be surprised. Ricky Stewart's got two more years left on his deal. I wouldn't be surprised if come round 15, 16, they're sitting in the bottom four. He goes to his good mate, Don Ferner. Hey, Don, I'm burnt out. 
let's let's cut the tires, let's go. Because Ricky Ricky's not going to get sacked from Canberra. No, we all know that. No, I think he would step away if they get close to that position. So okay. they're my wooden spoon pick. All right. Mm. State of Origin, New South Wales Blues. He's going I've out got, with a bang, isn't he? I know. <laughs> hey? I've got them. I've got the Blues winning two one. <laughs> 2-1. Shock, shock horror. 2-1. Okay. The Blues they, win. They, they, they win 2 nil and then they just drop the third game up at Suncorp. No, they win in Suncorp. They win in Suncorp. Now, a decider at Suncorp. Now, okay. I showed you my Wally Lewis medalist before, Jimmy. Yes. And this guy hadn't made his debut yet in Origin. And then after Jimmy's comments kind of swayed me a bit. So I'm going to go with Cameron Murray. Again, I'm showing a lot of Rabbitohs love today. Cameron Murray, my Wally Lewis medalist. And I know, my reasoning is Michael Maguire gave him his debut. As a South Sydney Rabbitoh a few years ago, I think he's going to stick solid and keep Cameron Murray in the 13 jersey, which is integral to the Blues' success. You saw that in Game 3. I think he's a better lock than Isaiah Yo. So I think he leads them to a Blues series win. Do your win. 2-1 Blues winning team, mm-hmm. does that team... I know what you're going to ask. Yeah. yeah. Who yeah. captains? Nathan Cleary. I don't think Tedesco's there. I like what a listener said, said in and saying he might consider rep retirement. I wouldn't be surprised if he announces his rep retirement before the Blues, which I would love as a Roosters fan. No, uh, I don't think he'll announce his retirement before the Blues, but um, we'll wait and see. Um, what else? Grand final. Yes. Sydney Roosters v the Penrith Panthers. <laughs> Shock me. I'm tipping the Penrith yes. Panthers to make their fifth consecutive grand final, which yep. would be ridiculous. And I've got the Roosters winning Shock Horror. Yes. And the Clive Churchill medalists. Samuel Walker. Oh, wow. And he's going to – I mean, it's kind of fitting. You've got the Prince of Penrith opposing him, and I think Sam Walker's going to say, hey – The Earl of the East. Let me take – oh, I like that. (laughs) Thank you. I like that. There's a Tommy's tribute for the year. (laughs) Earl of the East, uh, Sam Walker, Clive Churchill medalist in 2024. Okay. That's it. That's it. That's all my predictions for the year. So okay. I'll go through my top eight again. Rabbitohs, Roosters, Panthers, hey, mate, mate, Broncos, Mr. No, no, Storm, don't worry about this Warriors. We'll, no, put that, we'll put that up on the board. Titans. And come Monday, we'll tear it down again, yeah, all right? Uh, <laughs> not surprised. So so here's the difference Here's the difference in Tommy's world from today yes. to next week. Yep. So today he's sitting there, okay, top eights, this, yep, grand yep. final winner, Dally M yep. winner <clears throat> next week. Uh, finance minister. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Who's in your top eight? Who's in your top I think the finance minister, <laughs> yeah. the treasurer, the treasurer, uh, the opposition leader. Who do we need in communications? Exactly. Jimmy? That's it. That's it. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll leave you to it. Uh, um, said those sins sincerely, Tommy, uh, and all the very best. Uh, thank you, Matty. And the other thing, Tom. You go and make Australia great again. Thank you. Well, who's on your show, Jimmy? Come on. Oh, right. That's why we got oh. you here. Uh, the analyst, oh, beep, 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 is back. We've got him, Adrian Prezenko as well. Paddy Welsh, we're going to head north. Uh, legend of Australian broadcasting, but also part of the SEN uh, Brekkie show up there. Find out what's going on at the Gabbertoir. And Fleur McIntyre, assistant coach of the Sydney Kings. She's off to the WNBA. She's our special guest on the crossover. Nice. You have a good show. We're going to come boys. back and wrap it well all done, up. Well done, Tommy. Right here. Woohoo! <laughs> All right, I'm going to get through some of these texts, Tommy, before we officially say goodbye to you because plenty of our listeners have had their say. The Radelaide Rooster says, farewell, Tommy, going to miss you and the Daily Roosters Tribune. Good luck with your next chapter. You're leaving your spot in good hands there with the coach, Coach K, right next to me. Matty, just want to wish Tommy all the very best and thank him for his contribution to the Matty White Show. They were always appreciated by us listeners, Simon from Balgowney. Matty, I reckon 2AM wants to be top rooster, so I think he'll be... Off on an over-60s cruise, strutting around in his SEN gear. Good luck to him. That one from Tony. No manly seagulls in your top eight, so just bugger off now, Tommy, says the Western Sydney Eagle. Uh, all the best to you, Thomas. 
with your new career path. Much the same as you, my father won't shorten my name and still insists on calling me Spartacus, says Spart. <laughs> Tommy, love your work, but you're a rooster supporter, Freckles, so get a dog up you, says the reptile. <laughs> Tommy Turncoat, when the going gets tough, Tommy gets going, says Stu from Granola. You knew this was coming, didn't you? You knew that you were going to get it um, from every angle here. Wishing you all the very best in your new job and thanks for all of the laughs, says Cameron. Uh, one day I had a crack, says Spud at Tom, and he asked, who hurt you? Well, Tom, I'm a Tigers fan, so now you know. Good luck, mate. There you go. Uh, cue the James Blunt. Goodbye, my lover. Goodbye, my friend. It's not goodbye. It's more of a see you later, says Damo from Nara. The goodbye, my lover part of that's the uh, the, the odd part. And, oh, do we really need James Blunt? <laughs> do we really? Are we doing that? Who are you replacing like for like with Tommy, says uh, Pedro Rooster supporter. Well, we'll we'll wait and see on that one. Thanks for sharing your passions. Come back soon and don't be a stranger. Good luck, says Paramat. Um, Junior Smithy, of course, regular contributor to the show, says, I'd like to thank 2AM for helping make this a great show. I wish you all the very best for the future, but glad I don't have to hear the roosters crap as much anymore. <laughs> all the best, mate. You've hammered me from time to time, says Matt, but you are never nasty. I'll miss you. As always, put them on the line. Mate, um, that's what our, what our listeners have been saying. You heard what Jimmy's been saying. We've had our thoughts throughout the course of the show and privately as well, and we'll celebrate with a couple of cold, frosty ones after this. But on my behalf, I can't thank you enough. The last three and a half years, we started from scratch. You and I met downstairs and had a coffee together. And from then on, we formed a great combination. And I couldn't have done this without you. It's a heck of a lot to do three hours of radio solo a day, but I couldn't have done it without you because you're an integral part of this show. You're a great kid. You're not a kid anymore. You're a good man. And I wish you all the very best. You're a heck of a producer, mate. So our massive thanks for you. Thank you, Matty. Thank you to Jez. Thank you to Sam Thompson, Craig Hutchison for giving me this wonderful, wonderful chance. And last but not least, thank you to all the listeners. I'm going to miss you. And one final go, the Roosters. Thank you.